Welcome to the Three Forms Podcast, a joint production of Beaver Dam Christian Reformed Church and Coopersville CRC. Together we are touring our historic Three Forms of Unity, the Belgic Confession, Heidelberg Catechism, and the Canons of Dort. Considering how these old and trusted paths can equip and lead God's people in the midst of today's challenges. So let's start this week's episode. Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Pastor Lloyd Hemstreet. And I am Reverend Tyler Wagamaker. And we are picking up with episode five today, Lord's Day Five. And Tyler, we have left the misery. We thankfully have left a lot of misery. We'll still be reminded of, of our misery, but uh, we have, we're moving on to greener pastures. Uh, we, enlightening us, again, the catechism will of Jesus Christ and how he is a solution to our misery. Absolutely. Uh, we are moving into the second section, part two of the catechism, and instead of focusing on uh, misery, on how great our sin is and our need of a Savior, we're moving into the section where we're going to be discussing man's deliverance. What has Jesus done to save us from our sins. And so for the next number of Lord's Days, that is what the focus uh, will be as we're walking through it. Yes, the uh, and that's just a good reminder. The Catechism is the three parts of sin, salvation, service. And you said we are into now moving into the second part, the, the salvation part, the deliverance a- absolutely. part. So, or the guilt, grace, gratitude, we're moving into the grace part. Right, so. right. And uh, I would say, you know, the Catechism doesn't spend the same amount of time on each of those three sections. They're not, you know, uh, oh, I'm bad at math, 14 Lord's Days of one and, <laughs> and 14 Lord's Days of the other and, and then 14 Lord's Days. It it doesn't ha- split it up in the same amount of time. At the same time, I would say it is prioritizing them theologically. This is what yeah. you have to know first. And if you don't know this, the rest isn't going, gratitude doesn't make sense if you just think you're good to go. The, exactly, and, and, and all all your life. Well, and, and, that, and the good, that's the good thing too, because it. it I, I like how you put that, Lloyd. We're prioritized. We had to prioritize talk about our problem of sin. We're not going to wallow in it. Um, right. I mean, we spent four Lord's days um, in it, and well, actually, in many ways, almost three Lord's yeah, days. Three and Lord's so days. now we're we're already moving into the grace part, which is the antidote. But we needed we needed to hear the prioritization of our sin. We didn't need to wallow in it, though. Correct. Correct. So we are beginning that uh, exploration of our deliverance, and Lord's Day 5 kicks off with question and answer 12. Uh, According to God's righteous judgment, we deserve punishment, both in this world and forever after. How then can we escape this punishment and return to God's favor, is the question. And the answer is, God requires that his justice be satisfied. Therefore, the claims of his justice must be paid in full either by ourself or by another. I like that word escape in that question, actually, Lloyd, where it says, how can we escape this punishment and return to God's favor? There's a lot, there are a lot of good stories in Scripture about escaping, and by God's grace, escaping. God provides the escape so often, and of course, the escape comes to us through Jesus Christ. Right, right. And yeah, that, that is what we see here, 
this idea, if we recognize our sin, then the question is, how are we going to escape it? How are we going to get out of this problem that we have caused and created for ourselves? And the, the catechism, first off, starts within the answer, the recognizing that God's justice will be satisfied. Um, in our last episode, there was a little talk of uh, stealing of a G.I. Joe collection. Ah, uh, yes. And, and yes. that, you know, the, the judgment would have to be sufficiently met for such a heinous, heinous attack and crime as, as something like that would truly, be. Truly, truly misery. That, that's like some of the depth of misery right there when that would, if that would ever happen, Lloyd. Exactly, exactly. And so justice has to be fully met out. Justice has to be completely satisfied, and it's going to have to be paid in full. And the catechism points to a little bit of the solution here, either by ourselves or by another. Are we going to pay for it fully, or will another have to stand in our place to pay for it? Well, thankfully, that's the gospel, isn't it? The good news is is that another was provided for us, uh, because in ourselves, we we can't escape. And, and that goes back to our misery, how bad our sin condition is. We can't climb out of this this hole that we actually keep digging even deeper and deeper. I know the Lord's Day will get into that. We almost we we keep making the hole worse. Um, we don't make the hole better. We and so that's why the Catechism here and in the upcoming Lord's Days will really bring out Jesus Christ, how He is the solution. He's our escape. Right. Right. Question thirteen. Uh, well, can I quick stop a quick second sure. on question twelve because escape that, that reminds me of a really wonderful story. So many wonderful stories I mentioned about escape, but in the Old Testament, in the book of Second Kings, chapter six, where the prophet Elisha and his servant, uh, they are uh, God is consistently kind of revealing the plans of the Arameans and confounding them because the Arameans are trying to take on the northern kingdom of Israel, and God is revealing those secret plans to Elisha, who then passes it on to to the king at the time, King Joram, and this is obviously infuriating the Arameans. So he sends an army to go, the king of Aram sends an army to go get this Elisha, this, this obvious type of supernatural spy who is unpacking everything. The next day, of course, the Elisha is there with his servant, and they look out, and the city where they're in, Dothan, is surrounded by the Arameans who are coming to, to, to get Elisha and to capture him, really to kill him. This upsets the servant, and so Elisha says, well, you know, Lord, essentially reveal what, what is around to the servant so he might see that actually the one who is with us is greater than these Arameans, and then this angelic army is suddenly revealed. The Arameans are trying to do a wicked thing, a horrible thing, trying to, to take out God's servant. And so, but God strikes them through these angels, strikes them blind, this entire army. And so then Elisha leads this army down to Samaria in this walled city, their enemy. And of course, King Joram wants to put them to death and almost almost gleefully, can we can we kill them? And instead, what happens in Second Kings chapter six? These these enemies, which by the way, there's a funny kind of Jedi mind trick, kind of a wonderful phrase here. Almost too in verse nineteen, Elisha told them this is this. He's speaking now to the Aramean army. He says, Elisha told them this is when they're up in Dothan, not yet in Samaria. This is not the road, and this is not the city. 
follow me and I will lead you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to Samaria. It's kind of like, uh, this is this is not the, the uh, droid you're seeking. Yeah, these are um, not the droids. You're these are not for. the droids. Yeah. Um, move on, move on. Except he moves them on down to Samaria. Wonderful, powerful way that God worked here. And instead of killing these enemies of God's people and God's servant the way that they ought to, instead God who who brought them to the place because of blindness, God's the one who afflicted them with it. God is also now the one who, through his servant Elisha, feeds this army and removes their blindness. They see their predicament. They see they're in big trouble that they would normally get killed off. And instead, they are fed, and not just bread and water, but we're told in 2 Kings chapter 6, they're fed a feast. This is, this is a wonderful picture of the gospel, Lloyd, of God providing this escape, even though God's also the one who, who, who we have sinned against, who we've wronged. We, God, you know, the world, humanity has wronged in rebellion against God and against God's people against God's servants, and yet God is the one who also provides an, um, an amazing escape and a rich feast. Kind of reminds me of the Lord's Supper in many ways, too, that not only were we enemies of God, but, but Jesus befriends us, and then he gives us a feast, and he, he shows us kindness, and that actually made a difference in 2 Kings chapter 6 and how it changed the relationship for a while, at least, between Israel and the Arameans. So I thought that was just a great, great story from God's Word that kind of illustrates a little bit what we've been talking about here in Question Answer 12. Yeah, yeah, that incredible escape and provision of God to, yes. to, that those who did not deserve it, those who deserve death, and yet God provides graciously for their feasting. All right, moving on to question 13, and we have four questions in this Lord's Day, oh, so we're going to yes. have to keep rolling here. <laughs> question 13, the question is, can we pay this debt ourselves? We've recognized our sin, we've recognized our misery. The question is, okay, how are we going to deal with it? Can we pay it ourselves? The answer there is certainly not. Actually, we increase our guilt every day. Every day, Tyler? It sounds almost like the U.S. national debt um, <laughs> here. Every day, it keeps growing every day. We just passed like $34 trillion, I think, for, for our U.S. listeners. $34 trillion. We just increase our guilt, our debt, more and more every day. Of course, this is spiritually even is even worse. Right. Yes. Right. Because in theory, we can pay back our U.S. debt if we just tighten our belt enough and if we just cut spending and stop spending on ourselves and stop borrowing, we could, in theory, Congress could do that. Or start to, or, at least. Or start yeah. to. Move it it's so that it's... Move yeah. the needle in the right direction. Exactly. This does not give us that kind of hope at all Right. question answer 13. Right. This this does not. And, and yeah, the, are we going to be able to do this? Certainly not. And it says we increase our guilt every day. Well, what is God's expectation for his people? What is God's expectation for, for all of his creatures is that we live fully in line with his commandments, that we keep all of his commandments. And, of course, in the New Testament, 
Jesus was constantly going back and forth with the, the Pharisees and these teachers of the law that said, hey, we need to obey God's commandments. We need to do so in a very uh, precise and meticulous manner that God's expectation is for us to keep all these commandments. And so in like Luke chapter 11, uh, verse 42, there Jesus is confronting the Pharisees, and, and he does so in this way, but woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Hmm. So God's expectation wasn't, well, as long as you take care of, of righteousness and justice and you're caring for other people, then I don't care about whether or not you tithe your mint and herbs. No, Jesus' expectation is you should have been doing both. You should have been keeping hmm. all of God's commandments mm -hmm. and fully living into that. And the reality is every time that we come up short, every time that we fail to uh, keep God's commandments fully, then we're missing that mark, the, the expectation that he has set for us, and we've added to the pile of debt. Well, how do you pay back a debt? You have to, uh, well, in, in financial terms, you have to spend less than you make so that you can use some of that to pay down the debt. But God's expectation for us is that we spend everything that we make, everything that we have on righteousness. And with that baseline expectation, there's no way for us to have a excess righteousness to start to pay down this debt that we've created every time that we fall short. That is a good way in terms of of finances to understand that, Lloyd. Right. So very right. true. And and that's that's why it 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 comes up of short then. How how is it that we're going to pay it back? Well, either we keep all of God's commandments perfectly and live in line with his expectation, which we know from discovering or studying misery together, we all fall short in that too. But the expectation is still complete obedience. And when we fall short, we're just adding to that guilt and and coming and adding to what we need to repay. So somebody's gonna have to repay this, and it's not sounding like you're gonna be able to do it, Tyler. Uh, I'm not, I don't even do well in the game of Monopoly, <laughs> let alone the the real game of financial life there, Lloyd. So all right. Uh, that and that and increasing our guilt. There's that objective guilt, of course, in the sight of God that we increase, but sometimes also we increase our own feeling of guiltiness. If we're honest with ourselves, we we can feel the weight of that. And so we try to compensate in different ways and we try to negotiate with our own minds and and say, well, I'm not that bad, or I've done pretty good. And we try to equivocate when we compare ourselves to others, like, well, at least I don't do it like that person. And so our standard, the standard of most people is fellow human beings. And so that's how we kind of comfort and salve our consciences, our guilty consciences, until God's law, his word kind of just really reveals that, nope, your, your whole standard that you're trying to to alleviate your guilty conscience with is is not even an accurate standard. It's it's false false weights, right? And so, yeah, if you cook the books, then you're going to you're going to be able to kind of maybe fool people, maybe try to fool the IRS or fool some others and an investigator. But eventually, you're still cooking the books, right? And it will come back. Yeah, the, in our in our in in recent history, we've seen numerous financial scams and 
and these things where people are trying to carry multiple books. And so they can make it look good for a time, but eventually those books come due, those notes come due. And, and then when you don't have the finances to go around, well, that's where bankruptcy happens in the, in the fiscal sense and where God's judgment will find us if we're relying on ourselves. You know, I just came from Weight Watchers to hear Lloyd. I was telling you that beforehand. And, uh, that reminds me of one of the things of Weight Watchers, for those who are familiar with it, is you get points. You have to track your points. And it's kind of like a numbers game. And But that's the importance of tracking what you eat every day. But if you don't track, if you kind of fudge or you, or you don't, let's say you eat a piece of fudge. We, you know, I just came out of the Christmas season and I had more goodies than I normally would with lots of sweets. And I didn't always track them. It's almost as if they didn't actually exist in terms of calories. If I don't put it down, then then it's like it's free and it's not going to impact my sugar levels or weight or anything like that. I'm almost cooking the books that way. And that is a game that that humanity plays, not only in terms sometimes with weight issues. Well, if I just don't step on the scale, I'm not going to know. But uh, But even more than that, uh, in terms of God's law, if I just don't look at God's law, or if I use a different standard, then I'm not going to increase my guiltiness, my feeling of guiltiness every day. And so there's a lot of avoidance of that in the world. That's where a lot of substance abuse and entertaining ourselves to death comes. So we don't have to feel like I'm increasing my guilt every day. Right, right. All right, let's move on to question 14. The question 14 that it asks of us, can another creature, any at all, pay this debt for us? And the answer is no. To begin with, God will not punish another creature for man's guilt. Besides, no mere creature can bear the weight of God's eternal anger against sin and release others from it. Hmm. Not even Bessie. Not even Bessie can't do that for us. I... I think of Bessie the cow. Growing up, it was Bessie the cow. So that except, was way before my time. Except obviously, Bessie too, is a cow, and in the Old Testament sacrificial system, it was bulls. So Bessie would not work. I no, realize. No. Um, uh, Gussie, or I don't know. Uh, I, I, Gussie. <laughs> <laughs> Gussie. I don't know. <laughs> Isn't there Ferdinand the bull? Okay, Ferdinand okay. is Ferdinand. the children's Ferdinand. book. So okay. we'll say Ferdinand. So let's Perhaps. talk about sacrificing Ferdinand. Ferdinand. That's right. Uh, that that obviously worked in the Old Testament, right? Didn't the, all the these Ferdinands and uh, these lambs and these pigeon doves, didn't they take away the guilt, the sin of God's people, Lord? Well, they were certainly commanded by God over and over again. God gave his commandments, and he said, hey, this is what needs to take place for a sin offering, that uh, there's going to have to be the shedding of blood. But Hmm. uh, the issue with that was, how often did they have to repeat those sacrifices, (laughs) those offerings? How? uh, When did they get it? Uh, sacrificed enough. Oh boy! Uh, yeah, you would you would hear the accounts of just the blood running through the streets, almost practically on some of the major feast days, like Passover, where where so many animals were sacrificed, and and so yeah, that that would be, become an issue right. where it would have to be constantly. I mean, the Book of Hebrews deals with that. Yeah, Hebrews talks about and recognizes that you know they went through the motions, they did what God prescribed, but. Every year, it had to be redone on the Day of Atonement. Every year, they had to sacrifice, first for the priest himself, because he didn't even keep God's law and God's Mm. commands, 
and for the people as well. And 12 months later, they're going to have to do it again because it never took away those sins. It, it, God wasn't going to punish a animal, wasn't going to punish Ferdinand. Ferdinand, yes, for, let's get his name for, out there. For, for the sins of mankind. And he, he could not do so. He would not be just to do so. And so for human guilt, an only acceptable sacrifice would be a human uh, sacrifice. So those sacrifices were really actually just pointing ahead to the one true sacrifice that was needed, the the perfect man. Correct. That that was the that was their uh, that was their point. That was their focus. That was what God's people were confessing as they followed through and did as they were commanded. They were confessing that they were looking forward to how God was going to care for their sins and and take care of, pay this debt that they could not pay themselves. So the Old Testament sacrificial system is gone. Seems like it might be a good idea if we reintroduce that. Perhaps if, you know, if I'm a good dispensationalist, maybe perhaps that, uh, that maybe one day we can reintroduce the sacrificial system in Jerusalem, maybe, uh, for God's people. I'm sure God would be very pleased by that, Lloyd. Well, Hebrews uses the language of the once-for-all sacrifice that Jesus was, and in reality, uh, you know, the way that uh, uh, Paul speaks in the book of Galatians and elsewhere, uh, you are actually discrediting that once-for-all sacrifice if you think you have to add more sacrifices to uh, to the situation. So you're saying dispensationalists probably get that a little bit wrong? I would say yes. The, anyone that is looking to reinstate uh, sacrifices that were meant to point forward to Christ, uh, they would be failing to recognize what Christ has accomplished. Yeah, but and those sacrifices could just easily look back also to Jesus Christ. Why couldn't we just put them back into place again and just know that they're pointing to Jesus, Lloyd? Pointing backward to Jesus? Yeah, that, pointing backward That to makes Jesus. good sense, other than uh, I think Jesus gave us something that we were supposed <laughs> to remember him by. And so if uh, if he already instituted a means by which we are to take and eat and remember and believe, uh, then maybe us going and saying, well, we'll do the sacrifice thing too, that might not be so honoring to God or keeping his commandments. So the Lord's Supper is kind of our thing. It's the thing for God's people. It's the way that we remember that sacrifice, that yes. remember that his blood was shed and that his body uh, was given on the cross and that it was because of his sacrifice that we are are healed and in a right relationship with God. Preach it, Lloyd. Preach there, it. There you go. All right. So, yeah, can any other uh, creature bear that weight of God's eternal anger against sin and release others from it? The answer from Scripture is unequivocally no. no. It's not going to happen. And so we are moving on to uh, question 15 here. Uh, what kind of mediator and deliverer should we look for then? And the answer is, he must be truly human and truly righteous, yet more powerful than all creatures. That is, he must also be true God. That is the Christmas story in many ways. It seems to me, Lloyd, again, Christmas is on my mind. We just had lots of wonderful time here when we're recording this, just coming out of the Christmas season. And 
this is the wonderful mystery and beauty of the incarnation of of the God man, Jesus Christ. And of course, we'll actually get his name later on. This is kind of leading us up. It's in the catechism. It's kind of priming the pump to introduce us to Jesus. Right. It's it's working day by day, question by question to bring us into a full understanding of who Jesus is and all that he came to accomplish. And and it, it's saying here, you know, he's going to have to be truly human. Uh, though you might give your bull Ferdinand a human type of name, it, he is not a human. Ferdinand so, has a lot of personality, though. That, though. A he, lot of per- those those eyes, those brown eyes, just looking at you. Um, maybe before he gores you. I don't know. <laughs> Ferdinand might depends what mood he's in. So it, it, there is that question. But God says, no, no, no. That's not going to work. It's not going to work for a uh, bull to go ahead and take our punishment. Uh, at the same time, it wouldn't work for an angel to take our punishment mm. that, you know, that is not someone that is truly human. And so, you know, going back to Christmas, the wonder of the incarnation, the thing that makes it so special, one of the things that makes it so incredible is that God took on truly human form. He became truly man and and was like us, as Hebrews says once again, in every way other than that issue of sin. He wasn't adding to his debt and his disobedience, and so he had a full measure of righteousness in all of his life, but truly human, and yet just being a good human being, a righteous human being, if there were one other than Christ, would not make you uh, capable of redeeming God's people, of accomplishing all that needs to be accomplished, because the guilt of our sin, the reality of our sin, means that we are in line of God's judgment and justice. And who can withstand God, Tyler? Mm, boy. Uh, angels. I'm sure angels could, could withstand God. Angels are mighty beings, Lloyd. This is true. Angels are are, are, are mighty beings. They're going to test a lot uh, higher on like the uh, NFL uh, pro day and all those <laughs> sorts of, you know, 40-yard dash. I'm not going to be beating any angels, so so they're very incredible beings. Okay, if if not the if not the angels, the U of M, University of Michigan Wolverine um, offensive and defensive line, which is amazing. They're playing for the national championship as we're recording this tonight. When when of course this gets released, we'll have already known when this is that uh, who who has actually won, who has come out ahead. But I'm thinking the offensive defensive line of the Michigan Wolverines is amazing. They could probably stand up under the wrath of God. Uh, well, they would certainly be able to stand up or squash one of uh, either of us. Uh, no, they would not be able to withstand uh, God and mm. and not with and not be able to bear the totality of his justice and judgment. Uh, his eternal, uh, punishment and who can withstand and who can take in all of that. And yet, what do we learn from the catechism? That he was not only truly human, but he had to be truly God. So that only God, God alone is the only one who can withstand God. God alone is the only one who can uh, can match the the fullness of his, his justice and receive that punishment. And of course, uh, at Easter, that is what we remember, that, or on Good Friday more specifically, mm-hmm. that on the cross, when Jesus was 
cut off from his heavenly father, cut off from all of the the goodness that he knew from his heavenly father and the darkness covered God's judgment and wrath being poured out on on Christ. Yeah, but, but he is withstanding. What God. happens if Christ is a created being though? Uh if if uh he's the brother of Lucifer perhaps and uh you know, Jehovah, a very Jehovah Witnessy kind of a thing. Certainly, then Jesus, the 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 chief of the created beings, would be able to 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 withstand the wrath of God. Then, right? Well, only if you have a very small view of who God is hmm. and what He is, and 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 all that He is capable of. If you know the living God as revealed in Scripture, the only one who is like God is God Himself. There is no one that is beside him, no one that is kind of just down a rank or two. No, God's word says that he is God, and beside him there is no other. And so, we for our salvation— a... Well, go ahead, go ahead. For our, for our salvation, we're going to need someone who's truly human and truly God. We should really sing like a Christmas carol, I'm thinking right now, almost, Lloyd, like maybe a little town of Bethlehem or so that gets us thinking about the incarnation of Jesus Christ. I'm a base— I don't know which uh, where you're at. Well, the good the news is uh, we are out of time for this episode. Next next time, next podcast, then we will sing then, right, Lloyd? Um, we will, together, we will harmonize as I best we can. Yes, you, you know? can tune in next week and, and to find out, learn, perhaps. learn more. Okay, so that Thank wraps you. up our discussion of Lord's Day 5 and the beginning of how God has delivered his people from our sins. Thanks for joining us on the Three Forms Podcast, a joint ministry of Beaverdam Christian Reformed Church and Coopersville CRC. To contact us, feel free to reach out through our Facebook page, Substack, on YouTube, or email us directly at threeformspodcast at gmail.com. Three Forms Podcast, walking the good and trusted old paths together.